you know, with with classic Disney attractions like Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, and now the Jungle Cruise that have been turned into Ooh. movies, right? I, I think the best philosophy for the filmmakers should be no rules, just vibes. Um, kind of like the Outback Steakhouse of movie making. Welcome to another episode of the McGuffin Podcast, the movie review podcast that dreams are made of. Today we have two special guests. We have Keith. He's here. Keith from San Diego. Hi. Hi. Uh, we also have two guests, as we promised last week, from the theme park ride themed podcast, Those Happy Places. Welcome to the podcast, Buddy and Alice. Hey. Hey, happy to be here. Yes, happy to have you. Um, we, we brought you on specifically because t- today we were going to be reviewing Disney's Jungle Cruise, the motion picture, and you also brought to us as homework, Disney's Haunted Mansion from 2003, both of which are available on Disney Plus and Jungle Cruise you can see in the theater if you so choose. Yes. Now, I love, uh, I mean, I love Disneyland. I love theme parks. So, uh, I'm, I'm ready to get in on this. Keith is a Disney adult, a uh, pass holder. Yeah. Um, uh, past holder. No, I, future key holder. holder right? Future key holder? Maybe. The trip up from San Diego is is a little rough on some it is some occasions. We tend to do better on like the three day passes, and oh yeah, usually when we'll go, we'll like get a hotel room and and do like the whole weekend. But yeah, um, make a thing of it. Yeah, yeah, because I don't like the drive home at night. I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Alice and I grew up uh, very local to Disneyland, yeah. like less than twenty minutes each. Um, Orange County locals. Mm-hmm. We were the worst kind of pass holder when we were teenagers. Oh, yeah. we were like, so obnoxious. You were ass holders. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> We'd hang out in the, the dark alleyways of Disneyland yeah. and be like, be like this is my territory. Don't hassle me, I'm local. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know and, what, but, though? Real talk, uh, since they don't have the pass holder program, it has been amazing right now. Oh, yeah. Like none of the lines are longer than twenty five minutes. I'm I'm actually kind of bummed they're like reintroducing the pass holders. I'm like, nah, just let's let's keep doing this forever. <laughs> it's interesting to to watch them come and go and to see like how it's changed over the last year and a half, two years or so. Yeah. Um, where the because I, I went a, a couple of weeks ago and uh, yeah, you were at like the hardly any line. It was a, a little crowded, but. Uh, there was enough space, kind of everybody could yeah. spread out. Nobody was oh. too close together. Um, but it did feel a little different because, like, with the pass holders, and, and maybe that's just, you know, us since we went so many times. But yeah. even talking to other pass holders, it always felt like uh, Disneyland felt like a local theme park. This is mm-hmm. where, like, us, like, locals can go. We can run off to downtown. Downtown Disney used to have a movie theater where we, you know, yeah, we could just hang yeah. out like a mall. It was, like our, it was like our shopping mall. And now it kind of feels a little bit more like they're catering towards out-of-towners, um, which is what Disney World is really good for. Yeah. Disney World is great for out-of-towners. That's interesting, because I've um, always yeah. been kind of an out-of-towner. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. but even then, like, it does change your perspective when you're a pass holder, because we would, like, Sometimes go up for half a day or, you know, if we were like 
kind of driving through that area, we'd be like, oh, yeah. we can just stop at Disneyland, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it, it does change your mentality. Like the the your agenda is a little bit different. Yeah, it's uh yeah because Disneyland is just so much smaller, obviously than yeah. Disney World. Though Dis- whole Disneyland Resort, including California Adventure, is like a quarter of the size of the Disney World campus. And, but I think and, they got more rides yeah. like per square foot. So I, oh, I, absolutely, yes. <laughs> much and, uh, denser. I genuine genuinely prefer it. Um, it just it really does feel like we've uh, like almost lost a a like local hangout okay uh, uh, before i turn this podcast back over to cassidy which we've completely hijacked uh i that was my mistake (laughs) shouldn't have have let him talk you got us going this is our pet topic Uh, i have a i have a theory because i have friends who have like were born and raised on the east coast and it's it's very much like the theme park you were closer to is your preference oh yeah like if you live in the East Coast, you're like, man, Disney World all day, every day. Fuck Disneyland. You've got five <laughs> parks. Uh, you've got space to walk. Like the streets are way wider. Yeah. Um, but nah, I'm like, give me, give me that original magic. Give me those <laughs> orange groves. I, I wanted you, you guys to give you the floor to talk a little bit about those happy places, what it's about. What kind of topics do you generally bring up on the podcast? And what is your take on theme park rides? Because I know it's a little bit different than like something like Defunct Land, which you can watch on YouTube or whatever. Um, yeah, what are, what are some what are some topics you generally bring up on the podcast? Yeah, I, I mean, Those Happy Places is a labor of love for theme parks. Obviously, we care about the topic. Uh, and obviously, we, we come from a, a position where podcasts – no, <clears> – <throat> We come from a position where theme parks were available to us a lot in our lives. So Disneyland, Knott's Berry Farm, uh, Universal Studios, Six Flags, Magic Mountain to a lesser extent, uh, SeaWorld also to a lesser extent, Legoland to a lesser extent. But th- 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 these things were around us in Southern California growing up. So they became part of how we uh, hung out, like part of our like interpersonal relationships, also part of how we talked to each other and how we understood the ways that places tell stories. So those happy places is the podcast that treats theme parks, rides and attractions like literature. Uh, the idea of that being that these happy places have stories that they're telling, that they're places of cultural import and that analyzing how they tell their stories is a worthwhile pursuit. Uh, we love Defunct Land, by the way. Oh, Great yeah. show. Yeah, we had um, Kevin on our podcast once. We interviewed him ages oh, ago fancy. when his book was coming out. He's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that, that show's wonderful. It's a really cool conversation. And Defunct Land is more a history podcast. He he makes essentially mm. mini documentaries and, and sometimes <laughs> full-size documentaries. Um, that's not what we do on Those Happy Places. Uh, there's definitely room for all of these kinds of conversations about theme parks, obviously. Mm-hmm. Just like film, just like literature, it's a medium that has its facets. So it's fun to look at the history of theme parks. It's also fun to just watch a vlog or an on-ride video. Um, we yeah. see ourselves as maybe a little bit more academic, but not in a, any kind of serious way. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're not trying to, like lecture anybody on history and we're not doing reviews or unboxing videos or or like you know tips and tricks for getting through the park like those are not what we do here absolutely all have their place in the conversation about theme parks all theme parks universal disney 
Knott's Berry Farm, Cedar Point, Bush Gardens, everything you could possibly imagine. Down to the little one. We've we've talked about like little privately owned theme parks. Like uh, Sonoma's got Train Town up there in Northern California. Train Town, Sonoma, and, one uh, fifth the size of Disneyland, and they put, say that right <laughs> on the side. It's very cute. It's and it's super cute. We've talked about Renaissance fairs. We talked about the Rainforest Cafe. We've talked about. Um, you know, medieval times. We we do all of the we talk about all of these things because it's not just necessarily about theme parks, sure. but themed spaces. How can like an mm. environment, the things that are around you, the design work that people do influence cool. our like how like how we think about the world. Yeah. I love it. And uh we're we're recently getting into the space where we are naming stuff after ourselves. <laughs> um, like, uh, Alice, you have the Alice White, uh, theory of canon, theme, canon classification canon system, that's what it is, system. Yeah. Where, where we talk about how theme parks interact with their own canon or the canon of IPs mm, that sure. they're using for rides. Mm-hmm. But uh, I Duquesne have, has the, um, uh, what is it, fan interaction or, um. The, the Duquesne taxonomy of theme park <laughs> guests. That's it, theme park <laughs> guests. Where he, yeah, where, where Buddy classified various theme park guests on, guests on like an XY axis of who, uh, oh. how people interact with the environment. Do they just go there to like, mm-hmm. are they collectors? Are they, um, like behind the scenes seekers or, you know, very, things like that. Like, and, and who, what, theme park visitors like go to experience and how a theme park can kind of cater to all those different fans yeah yeah uh it's an amazing show i think it's a fun podcast and i like the way that you approach um rides and theme park spaces in a narrative uh sense so you know what we do on this show obviously is more sort of consumer review um and event sometimes depending on the topic we can get into theory and stuff like that too if it if the subject allows but I think it's interesting to approach, you know, something you experience in the fourth dimension, thinking about it from a narrative point of view. Um, I, there's a couple of questions I had kind of, and we'll get into that, especially once we get into the reviews. But um, there's a couple of questions I wanted to ask before we, we do that. Um, what is your general opinion? And you've probably covered it to death on your show, but... What is your general opinion? Kind of controversial for like old ride heads, if that's a term. (laughs) Um, But um, what is your what is your opinion of of rides that are mostly digital? Like you're in a vibrating seat and you're staring at a screen. Or a seat that's maybe, oh, yeah, yeah, simulation yeah. ride. Of course, there's a lot of that at uh, Universal Studios. And I went to Universal mm-hmm. right before the pandemic hit. Like, so surprised I didn't get sick. Um, it was like end of February. <laughs> um, and Wow. Yeah. And that was the first yeah. time I really experienced a lot of those. I mean, Disney has a couple, um, uh, the Star Wars rides, etc. Um but that was the one where the park is primarily that. What is your opinion of uh, digital interactive rides versus traditional track rides? Is it? Um, yeah, Alice, I I think you should take this one first because it's uh it's your kind of. I, I I think you have a more positive view, and then I'd like to. I don't know. I'd like to be the bad bad cop yeah, on well, this one. Yeah, we could start. We could start positive. <laughs> I I personally um I don't mind a good simulator ride. Uh, depends on the simulator ride. Some I think some of our best work in theme parks right now are simulator rides. Um, I was actually at Disneyland 
on March 11th and they shut down on March 13th um, of the pandemic. So I was at Disneyland two days before the pandemic, like when California like shut down Um, and specifically there to ride the rise of the resistance, which is the newest, um, the, the newest star Wars ride by, by Disney. And um, it is part practical part simulator and that, and, um, and I went to Disney world specifically a couple of years ago, specifically to ride, the flight of passage, which is the avatar ride, which is also a, it's a, it's a full simulator. Um, and those are the two rides. I cite them all the time as being like the two most remarkable, unreal rides that you've ever been on. Uh, the, the most immersive heartbreaking experiences that I've ever had on, on a ride. They're that good. Uh, and flight of passage is literally just, you sit on a thing in front of a screen and it moves you around uh, like you're flying. And then they say, all right, bye, have a good one. But the thing you sit on moves and breathes like it's a living oh, wow. creature. And the screen is incredibly, cause you're supposed to be riding on like the Banshee, Ooh. it's Avatar. So you you hop on the little Banshee, like you're an Avatar and then you go, wee and you fly through the air. And, and at one point it like threatens to go like underwater for a second. And I literally held my breath because I thought I was like about to go underwater. It was that immersive and that beautiful. And so I think the technology is there to make really special, important experiences for people. And you can really push boundaries so much with simulator rides. Um, there is, I mean, there is something very clearly artificial about them. Um, and if you are unwilling to suspend your disbelief, then the simulator ride isn't going to work for you. Um, but that's part of the fun of being at a theme park, right? Is kind of letting, letting the, the vehicle quite literally move you and take, and take you away. Um, they make my wife yeah. really sick. <laughs> they make like, my mom really sick. Yeah. Like yeah. They, ma- they make her more sick than, then you know just like a ride that moves you around really quick because yeah. um i don't know i i actually wonder uh she just has really bad like motion sickness i wonder if it'll be as bad now that she got lasik oh. hmm. yeah that could oh. that could change well, that's the possible game. yeah maybe that could change the game now that she, i think it might cuz my mom and i both got lasik like 6 years ago um and she has not complained about like she didn't when i dragged her onto the flight of passage ride she did not complain about it when we got off and i thought for sure for sure she'd be sick huh. she gets sick at everything she can't do 3d movies but no yeah. we haven't tried since she got lasik because she just like won't do 3d movies anymore yeah, you, she's universal been sick so many times. is usually particularly harsh on her like like the transformers ride is like kind of her nightmare because it like <laughs> it whips her around and it has the like digital the screen screens, so it's yeah. just like and it's 3d so it's like that's a particularly it's intense a trifecta, ride. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a particularly intense ride but one that i cite all the time as being like a really it's almost too well made as far as like how the screen and the practical effects are integrated together oh, the there, ride yeah. should not be as good as it is there's no so, like, it has no business there's some good moments in that one for yeah. sure yeah but yeah i can imagine it poor thing getting so sick <laughs> it's all right uh but but yeah. buddy buddy doesn't like him as much as i do yeah i mean on, on the other hand uh for for all of the amazing technology that we have managed to use and integrate and make a part of themed experiences for me as a preference, I will always prefer the dimensionality of motion um, in a space. I will always pr- prefer practical effects. Maybe that's because I'm 111 years old. Um, <laughs> but but like honestly, 
what can a screen do other than imply motion? And we, we talk a lot on the show about like the power of motion as a, as a metaphor for a story and the way that being moved by a ride is not just being moved emotionally, like it might be for a movie, but it's being moved like through space. So implied motion is fine and good and can do really incredible, otherwise impossible things. I think it's a tool in a toolbox. I think it, it becomes a problem when it's like the only tool in a, mm-hmm. a theme park's toolbox or when it feels like it's the only tool in a theme park's toolbox because often it's not yeah. the only thing there. But like you guys just said it, Universal has this this um, this reputation and they're yeah. they're doing everything, everything they can to bust out of it. Right. I mean, you, you ride Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey, for example, and that is a screen ride. Yeah, because the seats move a lot like a like a uh, traditional roller coaster. You're just suspended well, in there's space. Animatronic monsters, yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's so much going on. Uh, an entire dragon's head, right? The yeah. Dementors, the Whomping Willow. It's all real. Oh, Those man. parts of that ride, I really got stuck on that me. ride once. Like right, oh, gosh. I, I've been stuck on it a couple times. Once was right at the Whomping Willow, and once was <laughs> right at the Dementors. And I'm like, that shit. I don't want to be just like sitting there no. with a Dementor. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't part of the the part of the Whomping Willow part where they almost literally flip you upside down. Was no, it? Yeah. We were like really we were like laying on our backs and just <laughs> oh, like no. staring up for like ten yeah. minutes. Because that one like like moves you very very deliberately moves yeah. you and you and you get a lot of motion out of that little crane Ooh. arm that they've got you on in that it's in that so ride. Cool. It is that is a, a particularly well made ride for sure. I I yeah. think personally, uh, just to interject on both of your points, that uh, I think I like a good mix of both. Um, because I think there are things you can do with a screen that you can't do with, you know, animatronics, uh, uh, and there are things that you, you know, don't have the, the literal space to, to present. Um, but I think there are things that if you can see it, it's going to be way more impressive. Uh, and I think Rise of the Resistance is like a perfect example of getting it absolutely right. Because there are moments of practicality that blow your fucking mind. Like, that <laughs> exactly. ride is amazing. It is an outrageous ride. Yeah, and and then there are times where they use the screens to great effect as well. So I, I think a good, it's like, a to me, it's like a movie. You know, you don't want just CGI. You don't want just practical. If you can kind of blend the two uh, together, I think that's when you find that sweet spot. So the second question that I have for you guys is... I wanted to talk mostly, I think, when people think about theme parks and they think about theme park rides, they tend to think about kids and they tend to think about, um, you know, family friendly vacationing. As we talk about in films, you know, films or in literature, traditional, you know, wordies books, as they're wordies, also called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I forget that's a term that just we used. <laughs> I think that was just an us thing. It's the movies, yes. the talkies, um, and the wordies, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, there's different ratings, there's different systems, there's different markets for uh, different age groups. We don't really see that so much in the world of theme parks, um, largely because they're very expensive and you want to draw as many people as possible. But... Do you think in the future we could see a space where different narratives, maybe that aren't preteen or below, (laughs) 
could be uh, utilized in a theme park. Um, like, it, and I, well, I want to say adults only theme park, but that connotates things I don't even mean. <laughs> I'm not talking about like pornographic theme parks, although whoever wants to do that, you know, what about like don't uh, dream it, be it. That's Doctor, what VR is for. Doctor Satan's <laughs> horror ride from uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Right. So Halloween is kind of an exception. Uh, they there's the little pop ups that kind of come yeah. up. Um, that will that will push limits and that are eighteen older whatever for this ride or whatever, um, but yeah. Do you uh, what do you think about that idea? I think like uh, California Adventure tried to kind of <laughs> broaden that a little bit. I was bit, there, and they Gandalf. Like, when California Adventure was was the the teenager park, I was there. I was becoming a teenager. Um, I was there five thousand years ago. <laughs> it's it's the Halcyon it's days. An interesting question, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a big, expensive place that needs to draw in as many people as possible. And that's why we don't have, for example, uh, a lot of people like to talk about this on Twitter, especially a villains park at for Disneyland, right? Like you get a you get a villains park going, you have it be scarier, you make it all foreboding. Is that family fun that you spend a couple hundred dollars a day to be at? Not necessarily, right? Um, no, yeah. I, you, me, we would have fun. Um, but I think what you're talking about is Las it's Vegas. It's a smaller market, though, for sure. Uh, yeah. I was talking about Vegas. You're talking about Las Vegas. Yeah. It, it's, uh, Las Vegas is um, there to be fun for people over 21 years of age, right? It's boozy Disney. Exactly. What? Uh, yeah. doesn't Tom, Tom Waits has a quote, something like that, where like he says Disneyland is just Vegas for kids or something. It's <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is because at, at Vegas you get all of the, the theming for, I mean, it's kind of almost phasing out a little bit. People have discovered that non theme non themed hotels are cheaper. Um, and they last but longer. Like, People aren't going to be like, I-, I don't want to go to that cheesy castle place anymore. Sure, I want you to go got, to the nice got- one. Luxor and Excalibur, and you've got um, Caesar's Circus, Palace. Circus, Treasure Island, the Venetian Caesar's Palace. You know, Caesar's, pa- Caesar's, Caesar's Palace, Palace like, alone. Bougie, it's, it's bougie as heck, right? <laughs> that, that's, that's like for grownups. You walk through the little mall in the back, and that's like, oh, look at this. It's all themed all. They Roman. even have a How they cool. have a sky in the in Caesar's Palace mm-hmm. that like the sky which, is uh, appropriate to a, a time of so, day. So, uh, stop me if I'm I'm wrong here, but doesn't that mean that? Vegas kind of proves that it it could work. <laughs> no, it does. It does. But but I think it doesn't work without all of the things that makes Vegas like special. Mm. Uh, the branding. Yeah, it's the branding. It's the what happens the in branding. Vegas. Yeah. It's the it's the ability to have gambling and just extract yeah. money constantly. That it Vegas, was once owned by the mob. Ve- yeah, Vegas has like I was I was just gonna say it's got this mythology behind it of this mm-hmm. like of like a den of sin kind of place where the old mob and rat pack kind of people used to haunt this you know this place and now we can go and feel like that when we're gambling and throwing dice mm. on tables and feeling cool mm-hmm. and boozy and and stuff so it could work and there there are the the other flip side of that is theme parks that aren't necessarily theme parks but amusement parks like six flags magic mountain mm-hmm. is like a really good example of this is a theme park you can bring your kids here what are your kids going to do here it's pretty much just huge giant roller coasters with height limits yeah like so you can and and there are big roller coasters in Vegas even. Mm-hmm. Um so that you can kind of get that kind of theme parky like oh yeah this is for grown-ups. We do mm-hmm. big flippy roller coasters that are dangerous for people 
under 48 inches tall, you know, no kids allowed kind of vibes. And, um, yeah. but, uh, I mean, it's gotta be a place you've, it, you gotta market the place to people that are there to spend money. So it's either yeah. people with no children who are going to Vegas to spend all their money or Disneyland where parents are coming to spend all of their money. It's why, why it, there's not, nobody's marketing to us. Me, right. a thirty-year-old with no children. I mean, yes, I like to go to Disneyland. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm not a great example. I'm a huge nerd, um, but there's no like, oh, like this. Uh, these you know millennials with no kids <laughs> who uh, don't ha- also don't have money. We're not making mm-hmm. a theme park for them. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was gonna say like, uh, I, th- I think if anything, this would be the generation that would have like that could, could break it very successful yeah. if if you know it hadn't been bankrupted by the previous generation but that's a different podcast <laughs> sure if we if we had money our generation our very online extremely nerdy generation of people had money mm-hmm. we yeah. they would be making more theme parks catered to us I, I why why are disney and universal the two big names in themed entertainment it's because they are able to harness market forces at i mean this is cynical right but just like movies they're able to harness market yeah. forces to give a wide audience what they want to do it's Man, the same i as- can't wait i can't wait till the a24 theme park <laughs> opens up and we can experience the, the green knight the ride would ride. be amazing are you kidding green me Knight the ride <laughs> that's a that's a ride the black Phillip. <laughs> it's yeah. a question for a different uh, for a different podcast maybe but like yeah can honestly I, can I physically throw somebody off the Edden Stoop in onto some rocks. Can I sacrifice? Can I do that? Midsummer the ride. Midsummer. I think Midsummer the experience. That's a drop tower. Wait a minute. Ah, yes. Let's go ahead and get right into Jungle Cruise. So uh, I will let Alice go ahead and describe to us the plot of Disney's Jungle Cruise. (laughs) All right. The ride or the movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, we're here to talk about the they movie. They are All vastly right, so different. The vastly different. So the movie is about um, Emily Blunt and her very cool brother are on an adventure to find the, t- um, the flower. The that tears can of the moon. The tears of the moon. That's right. The, the tears MacGuffin. of the moon. The MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. <laughs> they're on the they're on the journey to find the pink pretty MacGuffin that can cure all illnesses and like change the world in science forever. Um, because Emily Blunt is like a badass woman doctor, but they won't let her present things to the society of explorers and adventurers because she's a woman. Um, and so they go all the way to Brazil and they hire Dwayne, the rock Johnson, who's got a crappy little boat. That's like barely bigger than he is. (laughs) And they, um, they hire him instead of Paul Giamatti to take them down the river. Um, and in the process, they have lots of mishaps and, and mayhem and, and they find out that are we doing spoilers? Not yet. Okay. Um, but, like, things were not uh, as they seemed. Things were not as they seem, and also there's haunted conquistadors, and um, everybody's like after this um, MacGuffin to save the to save mm-hmm. the world, and um, and that's and, what the movies. Oh, about. there's also Germans in a submarine. There's all. Yeah. Oh my god, Jesse <laughs> Plemons is also a German in a submarine, and I spent I spent like an hour of that movie trying to figure out Jesse Plemons' name. Because I was like, I know it's Jesse. <laughs> and I can't. And I was like, couldn't think of his name. And I was like, it's the guy from the episode of Black Mirror I like. <laughs> and 
<laughs> and um, I couldn't think of it. And I was sitting there watching Jesse Plemons be a German in a submarine talking to bees. And uh, so it's like everybody's on a race. It's like if um, if Indiana Jones and The Mummy and Pirates of the Caribbean were all the same movie, but that movie was like more PG than I was looking for. Sure. I think that's fair. Did I do it? That is such a good summary. That is insane. Also, the amount of Jesse Plemons as a German in a submarine talking to bees is way more than I expected. Way more than I expected. The fact that it's non-zero is surprising. Oh, oh, because Jesse Plemons is Kaiser Wilhelm's youngest son, who apparently has written papers on the subject of these haunted conquistadors. So. He's a real um, person, by the way. That character is is not made up. He's like an and, historic well, that, figure. That's like, like the only part of the movie that's historically <laughs> accurate, too, is his his journey. Yeah. <laughs> his fate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was punnier. Um, no, not that more punny than I expected, but um, it was really punny. There was a lot puns. of puns. Well, that, but that's a tradition of the ride. Absolutely. Right. That's right. So I was like, I, I knew there was going to be a non-zero number of puns. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was the one dropping them. And I was like, oh. Fun. So this is the movie that we're it's watching. Fun enough. <laughs> well, this is a question I wanted to get to the heart of with both of you. And keep in mind, we had planned on recording this podcast for almost two years. <laughs> because it was this, this was supposed to come out last summer. <laughs> delay after delay. And they, they withheld it. So... Um, I hope the anticipation was worth it. But <laughs> does the movie you think fairly represent the ride? And you know, not just talking about the quality of it as a you know two-hour film, but do you think that people who are fans of the ride and go see the movie are like, oh yeah, this is a Jungle Cruise movie, or what I would think of as being a Jungle Cruise movie? Does it have enough of the hallmarks to constitute? I, I have an answer for this. I- Kind of. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, you know, with with classic Disney attractions like Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, and now the Jungle Cruise that have been turned into mm-hmm. movies, right? I, I think the best philosophy for the filmmakers should be no rules, just vibes. Um, kind of like the Outback Steakhouse of movie making. Um, <laughs> because, because Pirates of the Caribbean and Haunted Mansion are not story rides, actually. Uh, and right. neither is the the Jungle Cruise. They're they're vibes based. Um, they're about creating an atmosphere by presenting certain vignettes in a certain way um, and moving the audience through those vignettes in a way that makes them feel like they had an experience. But that doesn't tell a necessarily comprehensive and complete story to anybody who isn't paying way too close attention, anyways. Um, right. So we Yeah, talk- I've tried to put a story together for the Pirates ride yeah. because I because Disney it, their attractions are so story built that I've gone through that ride being like, okay, so now all the pirates are dead. <laughs> but but okay, guy- now we're getting transported back in time. Is this or- guy the same guy from the yeah, earlier scene? It- but no, now Jack Sparrow's in it, on? so that's all oh, that, that water muddied. Right. And so so Pirates of the Caribbean basically takes place in reverse, but not really in reverse, kind of reverse reverse. Uh, And that's (laughs) fine. And I I love that. But like what Pirates of the Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl understood was that if you include some of the vignettes and some of the lines and then you just go to an actual pirate movie, you're you're solid. You're actually golden. So Mm -hmm. does the Jungle Cruise live up to that tradition? It gets close. 
Um, I, but I think it. I think it kind of does. I, I also think that a couple of times it was like, oh, time for a skipper joke. Like we got to do a joke one of the skippers on the Jungle Cruise might do. And that I'm for actually kind of surprised they didn't lean into that more. It <laughs> seems like there's like pockets of the film where like, well, this is a scene that's essentially just about dialogue. So let's go ahead and give The Rock some one-liners and some jokes. And I felt like, given that that is so much a part of the ride, is the the hammy jokes that they give the the uh, the skipper. I thought that that would be a running theme throughout the movie in, in a more integrated way. So, like, part of the problem is is that the Jungle Cruise, the ride takes place on like three different rivers. That's why I think that this is maybe a franchise. By the way, because we got to go it, to the Nile. It could. You've got to go to the yeah. Like, like so, you hmm. you you. They they were like, okay, we're going to take the Amazon portion of it and we're going to turn this part into a movie. Because you can't do some of the other vignettes are like clearly takes place on the Nile, clearly takes place in Africa. You can't put your, you know, your rhino poking the guys up on the totem pole, which is different now, I guess. Yeah. Um can't can't do that um because that's not we don't have rhino. We don't have rhinos. Can't do hippos. They found a way to get around the hippo. They got thing, the hippo which was in very there. Funny. Fun. They got yeah. the hippo in there, which I thought was pretty. Was, that was, was pretty that good was my favorite part of the movie. Actually, when they were just when doing the ride, I was like, "Fake." This he fun. was faking doing the yeah. ride for his people. That was that was fun. That was that was silly. So I have an answer to this question because I am a massive fan of the Jungle Cruise. That is one of my favorite rides at Disneyland. I'm not jo- I'm not hyperbolic here. I love it. It's great. Uh, it's always been one of mine. Yeah. And I feel like I I feel like buddy you you nail it like it's get the vibes and I think that basically the first half of this movie kind of does that like I was I was pretty satisfied you know I think they could have let some stuff breathe a little bit more I think they could have relied on that humor a little bit more if they hadn't cast Dwayne the Rock Johnson as the guy who has to tell the jokes. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got thoughts on that. <laughs> I but, actually have zero problem with him in the movie as an I, actor, but go ahead. I, but I do. <laughs> I mean, my big problem with this movie is, and I'm not, I'm not going to be specific with what the it, it, they throw a fucking story wheel at me that I'm, and it like just totally kind of ruined everything else. That I, I was like, what the fuck is this? Now it's literally just pirates. I like, I didn't care that there was a Jesse Plemons talking to bees in a submarine. That's how, like, kind of I was like, all right, sure, this is fine. And then it goes crazy. It gets crazier than that. No thoughts head empty, just vibes. Just they, vibes. Like, <laughs> it was vibing. And then all of a sudden, okay, why did, why did we have Jesse Plemons? In a submarine and also haunting conquistadors. Yes. Like why why exactly. does it have to be both? Why this does it movie, have to be Indiana Jones? It didn't. And it didn't have to be both. Pirates That's of the, the answer. And the mummy. Pick one. And yes. the mummy. And, the mummy, yeah. great. I love the mummy. <laughs> More of the mummy. More of we Emily Blunt as Rachel Vice. This movie, like, that's so good. This movie, I think, has a, an editing problem both in script and on screen. Uh, yeah. and, and it is disappointing to see how little faith it has in any of its ideas or yeah. anything that the characters are saying because so much of it seemed like ADR over insert shots that were way too 
like shorts of weird of, CGI of nothing. too. And, and and then there the CGI. I think this there's a scene where the rock is fight, fighting one of the zombie conquistadors and the camera's like whipping around in 360 that I'm like, hang on a minute. I saw that CG the rock in the Mummy 2 Return of the Scorpion King. I got King. some Scorpion <laughs> King vibes and I was like, I bet the rock, the rock that is like the last thing the rock wanted is for me to think remember of the, the Scorpion the King. The most abysmal CGI in like modern history. So much of but, the movie was on a green screen in in such an obvious way. And I know that Disney yeah. has the technology to do better because Mandalorian exists. Was right. that, was was Paul Giamatti's pet bird the only real animal in the entire movie? Might have been. Because that like really upset me. So no, I was like, why are there not more Okay. Oh, were there? Were they real piranhas? Well, they were like not, the like uh, the ones they were eating. Oh, oh, like 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 actual like no like like actual, like not CG actual like animal actors. animal actors yeah. animal gotcha. actors. The pink dolphins are real. Show me real pink dolphins. I want to see them. I know they exist. Yeah, the Amazon's I, got lots of dolphins. Right. I mean, and one I, of the I, one of the stars of the movie is a jaguar. <laughs> um and jaguar jaguar yeah uh and. I want to see a real goddamn Jaguar. I don't want to see a CGI interaction between... I know it's dangerous. These are very famous people. They can't be bothered to act with anything that's not a... animal actors are, like, notoriously the hardest to work with. Disney. If there's any company that can afford the liability, afford... However many jaguars you have to get on set. I a little bit of slack with CGI jaguar. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true enough. A jaguar, a jaguar is a big ask. Like, it's but, a big ask, but, but the they, other, if everything anyone else. can do it, it's them. If anyone <laughs> yeah. can also, do but, it, it's them. But nobody, like, even the, like, even they were, like, panned over. Oh, look at these, like, leaves. And there's, like, little froggies jumping on them. And the yeah, froggies right. are CG. Like, just right. find the Planet Earth footage of the actual CG. Amazon. You own, exactly. you own that show You own now, Planet Disney. Earth. <laughs> Disney owns National Geographic. Like, find the footage of the real little, cute little poison froggies hopping around. Right. They're yeah. so cute. I think the movie doesn't look very good. And I honestly, I was exhausted with the editing by the end of the movie. Like it, it, it is it, a little choppy. It, it was so yeah. choppy, and it didn't. Nothing felt organic because of that. Like he, the Rock would say something, and then it would like cut to his boot. Like what? Or like mm-hmm. you know, like the the flashback was presented in three parts. Mm-hmm. Right? It would like cut back to them and then oh, and then Emily Blunt God, would sit down in a different back. place on the boat and she'd be like, So tell me about oh, that. Tell me more. And then he would be like, Here is part two flashback. of my flashback. Like you couldn't right. do that okay. in one long couldn't do it in one. But how good did Dwayne the Lock Rock Johnson look in that wig and goatee though, right? I didn't like, believe pulling, it. I didn't believe it was Dwayne it the Rock off. Johnson. <laughs> I did not believe it was him. It <laughs> did he? No. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, <laughs> I, mean, okay. I don't think, was pulling off any part of this. So um, we are he's so delightful and so the, the, the role of the skipper needed to be not Dwayne the Rock Johnson, not a big, big meaty action hero. He needed to be a smaller, a sveltier, like he need he need, first of all Dwayne the Rock Johnson is just too big. He's getting too big. He's, he he <laughs> so he, he makes Dwayne. Emily. He looks like he could squish Emily Blunt with one hand. They keep saying how fine. big he is in the movie. Like you're just He's so, so enormous, and it's like He's well, so enormous. he is though, isn't he? But like the <laughs> skipper, I feel like needed to be. Smaller, quippier, quicker. It needed to be like a, we needed a uh, trickster like a kick, character. He needs a trickster, like kick flippy action character, <laughs> kick not a flips. punchy, 
not I, like a punchy, runny, like body slamming action character. I agree with you completely. I if I, so, as we were watching this, I turned to my wife and I, uh, my wife Ashley, and I said, "Why didn't they get uh, Gail Garcia Bernal to do this?" <gasps> oh my! God. Oh, sorry, he was too busy filming the fucking movie where he gets old on a beach. Like, fuck oh you. my god, Gael <gasps> Garcia Bernal, he would have been so He's good. So in this good. Movie. He's such a good actor. He's wow. actually Brazilian, so and he's legit hilarious. So too. He has the comedic timing down, and I agree. I think it would have been better if he had been a little more uh, uh, limber, a little more like just the Rock looks awkward, uh, and and also. There's a weirdness where it's like, and, and we don't have to go into this too much if we don't want to, but like, he can, you know, we're asking all of this stuff of actors now of like, if they're playing LGBT roles, they should be LGBT. Uh, but The Rock is famously Samoan, but because he's brown, he can play Brazilian and this is a bit of a spoiler. Other, other he, things? He's not, he's not yeah. actually Brazilian. <laughs> Yes, right. so right. I, I, there's a weirdness there, character's too. Character's not American, either, right. and they just were like, nah, just speak, Dwayne, it's fine. Like, Yeah, there's a very weird disconnect with his character, I feel. Yeah, so I thought Dwayne. he pulled off what? the comedy just fine, and I thought that he was affable enough to, to get along with with Emily Blunt and all of that stuff. I didn't have a problem with that aspect of his character. Yeah. Um, the problem is... And we're heading into spoiler town now, so choo-choo uh, along into spoiler bill. Choo-choo. Um, oh, we can do that now? We, we can spoil. We're going to go right into it. By the middle of the movie, they reveal that he is also a 400-year-old haunted conquistador, <laughs> and it ruins everything about that character. Everything. Because why is he, you know, scrounging for money and taking odd jobs from Paul Giamatti if he's basically a god? He literally why? cannot die. Right. Nothing yeah. can kill him. It also like all the stakes just like It would be like in the last third of of Temple of Doom or not Temple of Doom, um Raiders of the Lost Ark, finding out that that uh Indiana Jones is actually an ancient Sumerian god and he was just pretending to be an archaeologist. <laughs> he- for the last thirty years. He it, actually it buried would, the it, Ark of the Covenant. That was yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it ruins every it ruins all the stakes. It ruins Everything about the character, all and it ruins it ruins the movie. The movie it breaks the, the movie. The movie needed to be he uh, he gets shot. He falls down into the river. They pick up his broken, sad body, and now it's a race to find the tears of the moon to save Dwayne. Believe the Rock in Johnson. your concept. Believe in your concept. You've got a you've got yes. a, a, a thing that can cure anything that's already built in. You've got cursed conquistadors Ooh. that want that want that for themselves, and you just fight that it, you fatally wounded your your main hero he's your muscle right and now you don't have anything you've got a guy who's maybe just... got some boxing apparently the yeah, whole now you actually have stakes you actually have tension you have a reason to get this MacGuffin other than i want to cure everything <laughs> i want to like, save it, the world it actually right. gives us a story reason to go get this fucking flower and instead it felt like 
when you're playing make believe with the kid on the schoolyard who's like, yeah, but I'm also uh, uh, an undead god. Like, yeah, but I have force fields against undead gods. Exactly, so. that's what it fucking felt like. Absolutely, and I, I was couple so frustrated. By <laughs> a couple that. more things. Why couldn't they have just like, oh no, like the the moon is leaving. We can't um we can't get the flower now. Why don't we just go? Okay, let's just camp for a month and wait until the next moon. The moon's rare. Like, yeah. It's a rare moon. Actually, it's a rare. Okay, so like how rare? They got rare like, moons what, there. Like, like once a year moon? Trader Sam said rare. Like, okay, but like how rare? <laughs> can, can I? Because we get like rare well, like blood moons every year. It doesn't matter because year. the rock is 400 years old. He'll be fine. Yeah, he can, can wait it out. They can just wait another year for it. Oh, and also, also why on earth did Dwayne the Rock Johnson say like, oh, none of it ever actually really mattered. You built an entire town, you actual monster. You built a town, you created like a settlement and like a home for people and like cultivated like a life and an identity yeah. within these Because now he owes Paul Giamatti money. <laughs> And now, and then he's like, and 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 as Emily Blunt's like, you could like continue living, and he's like, no, he's like, I gotta get out, I gotta get out, Frank. I, Frank I owes dip. me money. I've never, I've never done nothing. Was he literally at one point says, well, none of it was worth it, or something like that. Well, and was like, okay, what? You know, you you toil away for four hundred years or whatever, and and you make a little city, and and none of it matters because it didn't have stakes because he couldn't have died at any point. And that's the the lesson that the movie should have learned. I actually don't <laughs> mind a healthy dose of nihilism in my family friendly action adventure <laughs> but none of it was worth it like okay no what he should have learned was all oh, the like what yeah. was worth it along the way was like the family and friends i made all along trader sam was dope as hell trader, trader sam right? was super cool and he's just like peace oh, like i'm gonna my life doesn't matter fucking not fair not fair to trader sam by the way to be introduced in media's res in, a, in an important conversation with emily it's like they're, they're having a conversation over here cut to mm. trader sam you're hey, so trader funny sam, you're so weird Show trader <laughs> sam and trader I sam agree. is like trader There's sam wants hat and it's like there's so much mythology to that character it, within Disney that I'm like, yeah, Trader Sam deserved better. And, and yeah. she Trader is Sam, just a throwaway line to, to name her Trader Sam. To redefine yeah. to redefine the character of Trader Sam, which is a very problematic piece of Jungle Cruise at all of its locations. To redefine mm. Trader Sam as this cool character who's self-aware of the kind of exploitative nature of her appearance, right? She's like, these stupid masks, we hate this. And yeah. and also who is Basically, I mean, if we're saying that this is um, Pirates of the Caribbean again, this is your Tia Dalma, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Yes. This yeah. is this is your um, uh, the what are the the good guys in the Mummy, uh, the organization? Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the dude with the face. Yeah, tattoos. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is your this is your person <sighs> from so the hot. place that knows the mythology that's going to save you. She doesn't right. get to do any of that. She's just like, I'm Trader Sam. I'm here for. Some... I get to pull weapons out of your body every once in a while. Like, okay. Yeah. Not today though. Emily Blunt's gotta do That's that. Emily also, Blunt's also, if we're if we're getting that specific, I take umbrage with the fact that Edgar Ramirez, who's like five something could continually kick the rock's ass th to that level i'm like come on dude well the rock's been getting built for the last 100 years and all of the flashbacks so he was actually much less built sure so fine so so he he's got a hundred years of excuses and he just lifts for those 100 years <laughs> and now he's huge and he can't be beat i did I, like I just i did like that initial flip that they did, and, you know, I'm not as familiar with the character of Trader Sam, but I did like 
you know, that idea that they introduced early on that he had hired these people to pretend to be mm -hmm. natives to grift people. And that, that they brought it back late enough in the film that you kind of forgot about that. Turns it, out they're actually a native tribe. They're just... But they're gone. modernized and they're, they're socialized and they're in on the grift too. I thought that was a fun way to subvert that to not have like the, you know post-colonialist problematic issues yeah. that the ride has. I thought yeah. they, it was a, it was a clever fix. Um, yeah. And I enjoyed those characters. It, it, and it plays on the, the expectation of a theme park audience, right. uh, you know, like, it, and so I, I agree. I thought it was a, it was a clever idea, but I just felt like it was completely wasted. Right. I mean, like everything in the movie, they introduce it and then forget about it. Trader Sam, was, um, she was really cool. I really liked her. I liked yeah. I, I thought she was really compelling on screen. Whatever she said was cool, but she didn't say nearly enough. Right. Um, and, and I, I want to say one more positive thing about this. Sure, one. go ahead. Um, uh, because I, we, we kind of danced over it earlier, which was the, the mm -hmm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt as our romantic heroes. Um, I actually liked them together, though. Like, I thought their chemistry was actually really neat. There was, like, a moment where they stood and, like, stared each other in the eye. And the my camera heart thing. was, like, I was, like, oh, the oh, camera oh yeah, thing. the camera thing. That was actually was a so really good cute. idea that the movie had, was the camera yeah. thing. I, which I thought, yeah. forgot about. Uh, <laughs> but I, I actually agree with you. And I think, you know, also, to that testament, my wife kept turning to me and being, like, do you think John Krasinski was okay with Emily <laughs> Blunt filming with The Rock like this? Didn't, like, oh, but actually, John Krasinski, I think, might have been like a decent skipper character. Talk about yeah, like a spelty kind of, you know, they, he's he's if if your skipper is your Jack Sparrow, essentially, right? He's your yeah. he's your liar That's with what a, trying. yeah, your liar yeah, with yeah. a supernatural secret, like easy, right? Like it, it's not hard to imagine that archetype, and th that archetype can be a beefy guy. I'm fine with it. I don't know if The Rock is playing uh, Trickster with a Heart of Gold and a Supernatural Secret. I think he's just playing I'm a Jungle Cruise skipper and then he read a paragraph in the in the script that was also like I'm also a 400 year old conquistador. Yeah. Like, right. But, but are... it comes that abruptly in the script. <laughs> right. Like it, they hint at I guess there's like a prologue that kind of gives you a thing and you see him like staring at her amulet or her whatever that is or uh arrowhead yeah, so we know that he has some sort of ulterior motive besides in terms just of getting foreshadowing paid. that's just like but, i'm gonna steal that i know yeah, what it I'm is a, i'm uh, uh, gonna steal that and sell it to paul giamatti for another him, boat or I, I thought th they were dropping little hints that he was smarter than he let on right, he knowing latin, latin phrases you know right, things right. like that where i was like oh yeah that and then it cut up to the like it was like a postcard of like London or something like up. It looked like it looked like the Parliament Building. Like I think in a it was yeah. up in his quarters, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Okay, this dude He's is British. like actually secretly like, yeah, like he was royalty or something, or like a he was like a ar aristocrat, you know, turned explorer, yeah. turned like actually I fell in love with this place and I want to stay kind of person mm -hmm. um, who's lying about his backstory, Jay Gatsby style. Like I don't all like, of that is better than what they actually went with. Right. With him being also, a 400-year-old dead exactly. con undead conquistador. That <laughs> sucks so bad. Absolutely. I'm going to say for me this is a B minus movie. Um it's better okay. It's not as good as Pirates 1 and 2, better than Pirates 3 and the subsequent Pirate sequels and better than Tomorrowland. Oh. Which is super boring. Do we consider Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland. A, a theme park ride turn movie? 
it's kind yeah, of I mean, it's a theme, it's a theme land movie. turn yeah. movie yeah. sure it's just everyone sort of forgot that it existed but well. it's it's an, it's an interesting artifact in the Brad Bird catalog but it honestly it's just like super so really it, boring if they didn't want to commit to the idea of the Jungle Cruise as much, why didn't they just call this movie Adv- uh, Adventureland? Adventureland? Because there's already a ride. Uh, there's, there's already a movie, a movie out there called, called Adventureland. Adventureland with uh, Jesse oh, Eisenberg. Yeah. That's a branding yeah, but- issue, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, well, the, okay, but yeah, we have multiple avatars, right? I think the big the big picture problems is it's a movie made by committee, and it feels that way, and it's you know clunkily written, clunkily edited. It feels structurally very similar. Structurally reminded me a lot of Raya the Last Dragon. Um, the way that, you know, they kind of enter in these set pieces through the boat ride. and Oh, sure, yeah. And the way you that that be- movie kind of struggled to deal with, like, flashbacks and flash forwards and what is the stakes and when do we apply them and how do we keep uh, keep things moving without it just turning into a scrambled action mess. Um, I, I honestly think the big... Uh, there's a couple big fixes. Your suggestion... Alice, of making it about rescuing uh, the rock once he's injured. At the end, sure. That's that's a major fix. I think second of all, even if you can't get a real Jaguar, <laughs> <laughs> even if you have to use a clunky animatronic Jaguar and, and clunky, um, like purposely kind of make the movie look sort of fakey on purpose, like they did with the Indiana Jones films because they were referencing serials from right. the 20s and 30s and mm-hmm. 40s. So I think if you lean into that instead of just going into complete CGI, everything, green screen, everything, then mm-hmm. I think this movie could have just been more fun. I think people forgot that you can actually like experience things in a three-dimensional real world, um, especially if you're Disney and you can afford to do it. That's my; mm-hmm. Those are my takeaways. It's cut the haunted conquistadors altogether. Just yeah. get rid of them. You can have just Save evil Dwayne the Rock Germans. Johnson. Sure. Sa- I love an evil German. Who doesn't love an and evil German? This is the bad guys. It's World War One. J Plems, yeah. My my take on this movie is that the movie feels like it has to apologize for a lot because honestly, the ride has a lot to apologize for. You know, the colonialism and the racism mostly. Uh, <laughs> but. <laughs> The and and pretty much that's that's it because otherwise it's a fun animal ride. Um, but like the colonialism and the racism is still very much there in the ride. Even even after the refresh, it's a concept rooted in that, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what the movie re- forgets is that the genre can still the trappings of the genre are still worth exploring. They're still worth working within uh, to create compelling narrative. And yeah. I feel like it actually became a more generic film than it wanted to be somewhere along the way by adding all of these disparate elements. And if you're going to have the lady explorer can't do what she wants because she's a woman. And you're also going to have the supernatural hiding a secret guy. And you're also going to have chased by zombie mummies. And you're also going to have a a secret MacGuffin. And then you're also going to have the Germans and it's just going to pile onto itself. It threw too many things at its own concept, which is Mm -hmm. a river cruise to adventure. Uh, yeah. And you, you can go to one thing. It's allowed. You're allowed to go to one thing. And then in the next movie, you go to Egypt. It's not right. that complicated. Yes. Make, and, yes, it totally should be a franchise. And if it was better, I actually <laughs> think by doing what they did to The Rock's character, they actually kind of cut the legs out from it as you a could franchise, have had cause... an immortal uh, demigod fight mummies in, in <laughs> Jungle Cruise no. 2. Denial. <gasps> What I'm what I'm saying is like by having him as this undead demigod, it's like 
I kind of don't care anymore. When I yeah, like it, it's just like the character. a dude who wanted to drive a car. <laughs> I fixed <What>? it. Oh. <laughs> I fixed it. I just fixed it. So he's he wasn't an undead demigod character, right? Uh-huh. No more cursed conquistadors. It is now you saved the life of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And by doing so, you have made him. Now he's a demigod. Now Now you can go kill the mummy. Sure. And now you go fight mummies. uh, Yeah. Now you go to the Nile because there is a cure to this curse. Oh, the curse of the mummy. Yes. Now, yes. Now you go. Yeah. Now you do a curse of the mummy style, and you solve the Dwayne the Rock Johnson is a mortal curse because now he can't die and he can't enjoy anything because it's a Pirates of the Caribbean uh, style immortality. That's the a curse, curse never to never to sequel. die and never to live. Yep. In fact, tie it into Pirates of the Caribbean. Have them steal some Aztec gold. You're already in the Amazon. You know, it's just a little <laughs> skip over. Oh my god! When they straight up, straight up when they like Jesse Plemons goes and is like river water in the little droplet and like wakes up Edward Ramirez. I, am I, it, I was just I was going part of the crew, part of the ship, part of the crew, <laughs> exactly. part of the ship, part of the crew, part of the ship. It's just pirates too. You, you're, oh yeah, there and visually yeah. that it was like they were trying to do that, but way less interesting. Like yeah, I, I, I the feel fish like the character will designs, always be the mud yeah. frog, bee, and tree and snake people. Like in my but opinion, yeah, he, they did the thing where like half of his head is cut away. Yeah, you know, and, like, and I felt like. Neat? With some of the characters, it was more effective. Like the bee guy, I was like, "Ooh, he's gross and weird, and has a beehive for a brain." And that Emily, Emily Bone punches him in the face, and her hand is covered in honey. Like, cool. And yeah, he's like, the I'm mud delicious, guy. <laughs> which is its own kind of scary. Well, I said a B minus. What does everyone else give it? Keith, C plus. Uh, I, oh. I probably would have given it a B, but uh, the the plot twist totally derailed me to a C minus. C minus. I hated Ooh. the end. I I, I'm it, also like, grading whole... it on the movie uh, Disney movies as uh, sure. Disney rides as yeah. movies curve. Yeah, if you sure. if you yeah, curve yeah. it to the others, I mean, we're about to get there, right? You get you curve yeah. it to the others. It's it's far more competent than some other. I just better than most. I, I was in it. I was in it. Even despite all the disparate elements, I was it was still working for me more than it wasn't until then. And I was like, like you said, Cassie, it broke the movie. For it broke me. the movie. What about you two? Uh, there are some unforgivable mistakes in this movie and some strange choices, uh, especially like music choices during the flashback. Like, what's up with that? Uh, oh, my God. That music Screaming choice. electric guitar. Oh, what even was yeah, that? Uh, it was Wait, was that with, uh, like a Spanish conquistador version of when uh, nothing else matters? It was a Metallica. Metallica. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so uh, what the fuck? There, there, there were some odd that? choices. There were some yeah. dropped concepts. There were too many of them. It's a C... For me, I didn't go C minus because at least I I had a little fun and there was right. some charisma on the screen. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm giving it a C plus um, for the same reasons. Uh, I thought it was uh, just a little bit better than average. I I went to the theater to see it, um, which I thought was really like a nice. I had a nice time. Um, I had a good theater going experience, and maybe that's making me like the movie a little better. Um, but uh, yeah, I liked, I, I really liked Emily Blunt a lot in that she's just really charming. And I think like her, her performance and her chemistry with Dwayne the Rock, Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, bumps it from a C to a C plus for me. Wow. How did I come out with the highest grade? I don't know. I will never watch this movie again. Should what? I give it a C plus? If you're not going <laughs> to watch it again, how is it a B for you? That's what I want to know. Like The fact that you're giving this one a B minus, but can- 
But Cassidy, I'm ready to like bring up some old beef. This is some old beef. Cassidy, Cassidy, oh, bring if up this the is beef. a B minus, how is Mad Max Fury Road only a B plus? A B plus? B plus, Cassidy. Whoa. Right? Hold on. Grading on two different metrics. <laughs> <laughs> but. I do think, no, I, I do it's, think it's, I want to lower my grade of Jungle Cruise to a C plus, though. I think I've been convinced. I agree. Um, I've, I was being a little yeah. too kind to it just because I'm comparing it specifically to Disney properties based on rides. I wanted this movie no, to be really fair. good. Like, I, I really did. I believed it. Yeah. And, yeah. and I didn't want to convince you to change your opinion, no, Cassie. No, I was just bringing I, up some old beef because I cause we just watched we just watched <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road um, this weekend. <laughs> we went to the theaters. We went to the Alamo Draft House to watch a, oh, a re-screening it was, of, of Mad Max Fury Road It's even better on screen five years later. <laughs> Yeah. It was yeah, six totally years old. later. So, so we walked out, and then I, I looked at Buddy, and I was like, "B plus." <laughs> <laughs> Cassidy gave this movie a B plus six years I ago. Believe, I can't believe we still You're gonna hold on this. to that. Hold uh, on I to can, this for I can. six years. I can. I can remember you uh, remembering an egregious crime. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> you, you don't have to that's one of my favorite that's one of my favorite movies of the last decade as is most people yes. it's it's my only movie from the last decade i stopped watching <laughs> movies after it because i was like nothing's gonna compare every movie that's not memex for your road is worthless <laughs> why even um, no um, no i'm sorry i didn't i'm, you're no, I'm, okay. I'm glad it's, i'm it's, glad the secrets needed to be out <laughs> I don't know how I'm, I'm sorry, supposed to Cassidy. talk about Haunted Mansion now. Oh, no. you can. I'll be the Yoko Ono of this podcast. Here's, here's the thing. Broken, broken you guys out just by are talking we, about Are we Mad moving Max. into Haunted Mansion? Because I, I would like to up front, if we're, if we're on a curve and and let's say the, the Jungle Cruise earned a C plus for all of us, mm-hmm. I don't actually feel like the, the Haunted Mansion earns that much lower of a grade for all of its maligndness in the film-going theme park fan community. Yeah, so when I sent the message out and I said, let's, I'm going to have you guys pick our homework, could be from any streaming service, anything, it makes sense that you would pick a ride, but it could have been anything. (laughs) And when you picked Haunted Mansion, I said, okay, you know, this is pretty much the only conditions I would have seen the movie on. Yeah. So... But it sounded like, from the conversation, that you had seen it before. Yeah. And, and um, rather recently, we watched it, I, I guess it was a, about a year and a half ago for the podcast. Okay, um, so you guys have had a version of this conversation before. But, but time has no meaning, and it, it has been a million years, and... I'm softer now than I was a year and a half me ago. Me too. <laughs> me too. I have softer feelings towards it. I'm I'm ready to give it a little bit more credit than than I think. Okay. Uh, maybe this is our redemption art because we kind of ripped it to pieces on our podcast. And me and Keith have never seen it before, so yeah, this is the I'm, first time. I'm excited exposed. to hear a fresh take because the you know we've talked to a lot of people who have seen it who are aware of it. The, the prevailing opinion being that you know let's remake the Haunted Mansion. It's it's time. It's been long enough and. The, the concept is too good for the movie that it got. And and full disclosure, they just announced that they're working on a, a new version starring uh, Lakeith Stanfield and... Tiffany Haddish. Um, they, yeah, they are working I on like it. I like her a lot. And, and it has nothing to do with, with this version. It's just a full, like, so, new movie. Well, this version of The Haunted That's Mansion cool. be fun. barely has lore. Like, well, did you guys watch it? Wait, did you watch it, or is it homework for next? No, time? no, no. This no, is this it. is for this episode. We're yeah, doing we okay. So it. you did, you did okay. watch we it. Did watch it. Yes, buddy. So, okay, good. Describe to us what happens in Haunted Mansion. The film, The Haunted Mansion, or the ride. Yes. 
the film. Oh no! Disney's the haunted this man. This podcast is just going to loop back and forth. <laughs> it's recursive. Uh, so look, uh, movie opens on Eddie Murphy, who plays. Uh, I know the last name is Evers because their real estate Evers company and is Evers and Evers and Evers. So he and his mm-hmm. wife run a real estate company. Eddie Murphy is a little work obsessed, but he's actually well-meaning. Like, he's trying to do right by his family, but whenever he thinks that he's about to be done to spend time with them, work drags him back in. Uh, they get a they get in a little bit of a fight, he and his wife, because he misses an anniversary dinner because of a client, wanted to do a house-selling thing with him. Uh, and he, in an effort to make make that up to her, says, you know what, let's go on a trip. Tomorrow, we'll go to the lake, just like we used to. We'll have a real family time. Like, he's really doing his best. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like the movie doesn't give him enough credit for that. But um, they go, but w- right before they leave, they get a phone call like, can you show up to this haunted mansion? <laughs> and being real estate people, both Eddie Murphy and his wife cannot say no because it's a millions and millions of dollars property right so they, they stand right. to make a lot of money and also it'll put their name on the map so they agree to stop on their way to the lake at the haunted mansion uh it is not long before they are trapped in the haunted mansion the storm has swollen the river the, the road has been washed away and so they can't leave through a series of events they discover that uh it's a haunted mansion not just a spooky one and they get embroiled in a uh, centuries-old uh, love story, love story, romance. love story yeah. slash tragedy slash feud uh, that ends a gothic romance, a gothic romance yeah. to be sure. <laughs> um, that ends with the confirmation of the existence of the real Christian hell and heaven. Um, <laughs> that's that is true. Facts. <laughs> uh, which is a little jarring at the end of the movie, but spoilers for a movie that has been out for eighteen years. Yes, Jesus. This, this came out the same year as uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it, and, and that does it no favors. One of them launched a mega franchise, and the other one is the Haunted Mansion. And one of them was their Thanksgiving Day release. Guess which one? It was the Haunted Mansion. It was the Haunted, Haunted Mansion, Mansion. Thanksgiving was their Day. Thanksgiving Day release. Like they, they, didn't, they make- couldn't make it to Halloween? Well, no. they couldn't make it to Halloween, but also this was their big like holiday season. This was like take your release. family to see a movie. Yeah. yeah, this was yeah. Their holiday but, season release was the Haunted Mansion, and their summer blockbuster was Pirates of the Caribbean. I feel like they did that backwards. Swap oh, it, yeah. right? Swap <laughs> it. Damn. Absolutely. You don't put the Haunted Mansion out after Halloween. Ooh, no, that, ooh. no, it was yeah. a mistake. No, and all the other Pirates of the Caribbean movies were released around Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. From then on, the Pirates the of the Caribbean one. twos, mm-hmm. threes, four, five, etc. For for eternity now. But it's kind Pirates of funny. Of the to, it's kind of funny to think like basically these are both star vehicles, um, one for Johnny Depp and the other one for for Eddie Murphy. But at that time in two thousand three, Johnny Depp was the riskier move. That's true. This is the he, era of Pluto Nash for Eddie Murphy, right? Like he's on top well, of the actually, universe. Actually, post Shrek. This is post Shrek. Yeah, this post is Shrek. post Shrek. But yeah. this is also post Doctor Doolittle, and he had some hits. He wasn't like totally demor. He wasn't Norbit yet. <laughs> um, you know, uh, this was. Uh, he still had some heat. Yeah, uh, Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. You could sell a movie as Eddie Murphy. He wasn't box office poison. Johnny Depp mm-hmm. hadn't had a hit really in a while. Um, he was a big thing in the early 90s in, yeah. you know, alternative and all that stuff. And then... He was more for more for grown-ups, really. Yeah, than, he was kind of struggling kids, to kind right? of find his next wind of his 
uh, of his career, and he was doing stuff like Astronaut's Wife and, you know, um, The Ninth Gate and these kind of things that kind of went nowhere. And, and then it was the one-two punch of Once Upon a Time in Mexico and Pirates of the Caribbean that brought him back in a big way. So it's kind of interesting that, like, you know, Eddie, this was like the, the first, like, or one of the first big kick in the balls for Eddie Murphy's career. And this was, uh, and Pirates was what basically brought Depp back from. It's these, these, uh, crossing yeah. trajectories. It reminds yeah. me of that, that meme from, uh, uh, from the Umbrella Academy where it's the, the two characters seeing each other in the cars as they pass. And it's Eddie <laughs> it's, Murphy's yeah, career out the window and Johnny Depp's <laughs> on the rise. Like, that's it. <laughs> That's actually very specific, but uh, I think a pretty good meme. You know what? I mean? <laughs> really good. It's a real. That was. That's a really good one. Good one. Uh, um, huge fan. The movie. Um, yeah. The movie is fun enough. Well, I want to propose that question. The same question that I asked you about Jungle Cruise. Do you think that this film lives up to the anticipation of people who enjoyed the ride? Does this re- is this a good representation? of Dis- of the Disney ride. This one's harder. It's harder because the Haunted Mansion fandom is very different from the Jungle Cruise. That's fandom. true. Um as far as like people who are really looking forward to a Haunted Mansion mm-hmm. and real and people who are like really looking forward to Jungle Cruise are very different kinds of I mean Disney adults you you're us, looking us all included are, are, are the things. common denominator. You're looking for different yeah. things out of these yeah. movies. Like for the yeah. Jungle Cruise I just wanted an adventure and for the Haunted Mansion no rules, just vibes, right? No rules, just vibes. And <laughs> um, so, and I don't, I don't know if they, if they vibed as. Are, to compare the two, I think, um, I think the Haunted Mansion, the Haunted Mansion did more like it, as far as referencing the original, the, referencing the ride. There was a lot of references. They they threw in a lot mm-hmm. of like. Easter eggs. Little thing. The whole yeah. scene, a lot of Easter eggs. The whole scene with the barbershop quartet headstones, where where they ask them a bunch of questions. The heads, uh, the, the headstones are answering them in song, but they're not saying anything. And Eddie Murphy's like, "Please just give me an answer." And then at the end of it, his daughter is like, "Dad, it's over here." And he goes, "Well, this was pointless, and thank you for nothing." I was like, "You're right. You're right." <laughs> it was a pointless scene. It's pointless. And just a reference nothing. for references' sake. Um, so right. they. So if you're looking for just straight up references, I think the Haunted Mansion's got like like got the numbers game going for it. I think it does more <laughs> references. Um, I think the Jungle Cruise um, implements them more smoothly. I like, I think you're. I, I think you're maybe. kind of dancing around what the problem is, and that is uh, that Pirates of the Caribbean adventure movie. Jungle Cruise adventure movie, Haunted Mansion family comedy, straight up comedy, straight yeah. up family yeah. Comedy. And mm-hmm. and I think the big problem with the Haunted Mansion because I I, I agree uh, on paper it has like the more more references. Uh, it I love that it has the score of the almost the whole movie is is mm-hmm. the music from the ride. Um, but the problem is I think a lot of the comedy falls real. Real flat. It does. Real cheap. Eddie Murphy's doing yeah. everything he can. I think last he time we is, talked about this movie, uh, we're like, he works so hard in every scene. He's trying to blo- draw blood from a stone yeah. in this. He is. Yeah. He, yeah. He, it's, it it Eddie, is not his fault yeah. that this movie's not funny. 
Yeah. Eddie Murphy and the guy who plays the butler are putting in like l- like career yeah. defining performances. Terrence Stamp. In- yeah. Oh, Terrence yeah. Stamp. Thank yeah. you. Terrence Stamp is putting on just like the most incredible performance you've yeah. ever seen in just the worst role he's ever played. And, right. And, uh, it's like classic English actors like, yes, I will come and elevate your piece of trash movie. <laughs> I'm yeah, going and, to and, chew and, the scenery to bits. Yes. <laughs> I think a sign that the comedy isn't working is you have Wallace Shawn on the on screen God, and Jesus he's falling Christ. flat and yeah. he can kind of nail anything. He he's one of those actors that always understands the assignment and it, uh, it's just that his assignment uh, doesn't have instructions in this one. Yeah, I I felt like this was. I mean, a I I think the script is pretty ramshackle. Um, uh, I I think you know. Setting it in this like modern time also isn't doing it any favors because no, you know. Well, uh, you're kind of experiencing it like you would the ride, right? It's you you in your life visiting a haunted mansion. I I mean, I I get that, but if I'm thinking franchisability, like, is there any reason this couldn't have been set in like you know? Victorian fucking Louisiana in in yeah. the early 1900s. No, no. there you know, is no I, reason. I mean, let's and, get and the let's movie, get those vibes. The movie feels like it wants to be there half of the time, right? Like yeah. the the flashbacks and the story that these characters find themselves embroiled in is interesting. Uh, there's something to be said there about racism in the antebellum South and the scars that that leaves on a place when people do racist things to quote unquote like defend class or something yeah. right like that's what the yeah. butler did when he killed the original version of eddie murphy's wife the elizabeth yeah, this, uh, this movie tries to talk about it but also goes out of its way not to, to talk not about talk it. about it's it. not yeah, brave absolutely. it's not brave for for a movie made it even in 2003 i, think. Yeah, I yeah. mentioned it to my mother i was like yeah with like the racist undertones of that movie and she was like what the hell are you talking <laughs> about that's not a thing and i was like it absolutely is a thing yeah. like they like talk the, about yeah. class, but we know what they're really talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it's essentially like the first grader version of the Candyman myth. But, you know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. They, That's actually I, pretty good. Um, I don't think Jordan Peele yeah. would be... I, I, I think I think he's like the, 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 the person. Like, I don't think that he could be topped by anybody for let's do the Haunted Mansion again, but let's get it right. Like I feel like he could actually I would die if he did. Well, nail the enough, tone. Um, you know, we we talked about how there's a new one coming out. This has been in some version of production hell since this the since literally one came since out. literally it, December two thousand three. It used to be it used to be a Guillermo del Toro joint, yes. and oh, I've always suspected that when he made Crimson Peak, he, he that he was using a lot of his concepts. That he was gathering for the for the haunted man, his, for his version of the haunted man. Yeah. Well, he absolutely. So that was doing that, that gets me yeah. to the other problem about uh, that I have with this movie is yeah. it's comedy that's not funny, skewed very young. Yeah, it, it's also skewed real young. Like there, it, there are it things about doesn't it doesn't want to be scary at all either. Yep. So it feels it's like a Disney comedy. Channel original movie in many ways. Unfunny comedy mm. and unscary horror. Uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like the directors. I don't know if the director's hands were tied, but I just feel like he had no, there was no clear vision for this. It was just mm-hmm. like, we'll call it Haunted Mansion, we'll put the references in, we'll have Eddie Murphy as a star, 
script we don't need a fucking script like sometimes it seems like eddie murphy doesn't have a script like when he's making the knockers joke at as they try to enter like (laughs) come on i I thought that was funny only because it was so inappropriate for the movie (laughs) and so so inappropriate (laughs) but there was also like no no context for the inappropriateness it was just it was this weird body joke out of nowhere that is like what, I, what? Don't, I don't want to. And don't you know to... somebody fought for that joke because <laughs> in the somewhere room. in Disney they were like, "We what?" <laughs> and and somebody was like, "No, this no, no, no." Is... Shrek just came out and they used the word ass, so right. we can do this. <laughs> uh, I, I hate to take us back, but did anybody else feel it was weird that The Rock bragged about peeing in the river? In, in the jungle cruise. He's like, take a bath in the river. I warmed it up for you. I warmed it up and I'm like, you. you're bragging yeah. about peeing in the that river. Was also, I know about the dreaded Kandiru, which will swim right up your urethra if you pee in the Amazon. Exactly. So. It's like, it's not a bath. But he's immortal. He doesn't He care. doesn't know. He doesn't know. No stakes, no stakes for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, right. But like, the Kandiru means nothing to him. There are, there are things in Eddie Murphy's The Haunted Mansion, which I know is not its real name, but I, that's how I like Eddie to think Murphy's of it. Eddie Murphy's not. Um, yeah. Where, yeah. He loves that. <laughs> he, he he wants me to forget it too. But also, I, again, I do think he's working hard and he's doing as good a job as possible. Yeah. He looks exhausted because he's working so it's, hard. It's it's yeah. the haunted mansion starring Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy's teeth, <laughs> right. just smiling all <laughs> yeah. the time he's, without even he's stopping. trying so hard. And imagine it's 2002 and you're making this movie and Pirates of the Caribbean hasn't taken off and it feels like a huge gamble because it's this big expensive movie being shot mm. on location on boats with very few big name uh, well, i mean like they got orlando bloom and kira knightley jeffrey, it's and jeffrey just jeffrey rush like, but orlando bloom and kira knightley were nobody they're on their way to taking off right they're on their way to <laughs> yeah, taking off this was this the, pre, the pre, same time as lord of the rings the, so the like orlando year. bloom was not a star yet yeah so the, these are these uh, are star the making might have come out star making turns you don't know that that's going to happen and you get handed this project and the project is adapt mm-hmm. a beloved location right. into yeah. a story, a place that people have been visiting since the late 60s that is burned into the imaginations of everybody who's visited it. Right. Because but the, the vibes itself, are so powerful. Right. The, the ride itself, while not, it's appropriate for all families and you go on the ride and it's, you know, it's not going for like a hard R horror experience. It's not saw the ride no yeah but um it's not even the terror ride at lagoon <laughs> right <laughs> but it it does have some amount of tension and atmosphere that this movie completely shirks for one-liners and jokes and and uh cgi nonsense and my, i mean i actually think that the uh the setup is fine like two two real estate agents uh, get stuck in a haunted mansion. Okay, that's fine. I think oh, that's, that's actually Casper. that's actually that's a Casper, whole TV <laughs> show on TLC right now where it's like haunted house flippers. Oh, <laughs> isn't that a thing? I'm sure it that is. Sounds, it sounds that sounds like, like a, thing. a fake show in, <laughs> in something like UHF or something. But <laughs> that sounds like something haunted house flippers. It sounds like something that Tina Fey would pitch on Thirty Rock. Honestly, yeah. I'd watch it too. I would watch the shit out. Uh, of it. Absolutely, but. Yeah, if it exists, I don't. I'm not sure that it does. But like, I do have a reason for that. It, not to do a whole episode of those happy places, but to put it very, very briefly, the oh. haunted mansion, the ride was in development for what 15 years almost, and mm-hmm. in that time, it underwent 
dozens of revisions it was a walking tour it was a uh it was a narrated walking tour the stretchy room sometimes was in there and sometimes wasn't imagineers came and went uh and what was the last project at disneyland that walt disney like actually like physically had his hands on that might have been pirates of the caribbean but it was those two well what those are the last two one of them was was finished while he was still alive and the other one was finished after Mm -hmm. he died but those were the last two that he had his fingers and so and so part of the reason that the vibes are so delicately balanced why the vibes are so immaculate in disneyland's the haunted mansion is because it it was done by committee, but it was done by a committee of artists, each of whom were fighting so hard for a, a specific interpretation, a specific mix and balance of funny and scary to the point where we eventually ended up with the ride we see today with these. And this is the important quote, grim, grinning ghosts. And that's grim, what it's all grinning. about. You've got to be well, grim and, and grinning. And I think you have the exact opposite of that with the movie because I think at the time this would have been the more bankable project. It's a, it's a family comedy starring Eddie Murphy with one of the most loved attractions at Disneyland. Like they, they didn't need, I think they felt they didn't need to put that amount of time and care don't overthink into it. the it's script and the direction movie, right it's right. just it's yeah. just any haunted movie that's aimed for families it's it's you i i understand the impulse to not overthink it but the ride is absolutely overthink. right it's oh, clear yeah, to I me mean, that the movie while they there's a lot of references to the ride like aesthetically they were trying to go for the casper movie market like mm-hmm. that's the type of vibe they were trying to get and and, and i think even in com- comparison, the Casper movie is like The Exorcist compared to this. Um, <laughs> when the uncle ghosts get actually <laughs> scary in that, there are there are moments, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, there's like the beginning where the, where he's like trying to talk to his dead wife with the uh, that super with scary. the Ouija board and stuff, and yeah, there's the part where. Uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, Dan Aykroyd has the cameo be- uh, where he runs out of the mansion. He's like, yeah, he's like call someone else. Who are you going to call someone else? <laughs> they literally have an exorcist reference in that movie, don't they? Probably. They do a, like, a, like a head spin. Yeah, like the priest walks oh, in right. and he walks yeah, out with backwards. his head backwards. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, you know, once they establish everything and Terrence Stamp and everything, and they're, they go to their rooms or quarters, that's where the movie should have started but instead, they just find trapdoors into meaningless set pieces that just kind of flip from one to another until the movie just sort of ends. And there's, yeah. you know, there's some MacGuffin hunting with the key, and there's some... And it has worse skeletons curse. than Pirates of the Caribbean, which is wild. I, I, though, though I suppose Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride, has a lot of skeletons in it. But, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, the movie, has impeccable skeletons. Yes, and yeah. this movie has some of the most generic, boring skeletons, and it's like this well, is the, the one about the dead people and the ghosts. Right, right? the gamble, <laughs> the gamble that Disney made with pirates paid off. In that, yes, this is based on a ride, but um, we can actually make it a little edgy in in mm-hmm. in this purview. Like we can kind of go for a, a at least a middle road PG thirteen. Um, as opposed to this movie, which was like skewing very, very young. 
And it's it's yeah. the it would actually make more sense to be the other way. Yeah. Lowest PG, I think, possible. Like it's just barely PG, right? Probably that because of the knockers. Joke. All because yeah. that knockers <laughs> joke. Yeah. Knocker, knockers joke, and then the actual existence of the Christian heaven and hell when, existing right. at the end. When the yeah. butler gets dragged well, me to hell by a flame serpent, he gets dragged me to hell <laughs> so hard, and then everybody else's spirits go. Wee! And no, yeah, okay, we, I mean, we literally say vibes. we're going to heaven. Like, like that's. We just know that now? <laughs> yeah. But I mean you want to talk about vibes, like there's that's those vibes are not in the Haunted Mansion ride. Not at, at all. Not all. Not even you a don't bit. you don't go to heaven at the end of the ride. <laughs> you're you're left with hitchhiking ghosts and this ominous woman saying, you know, hurry back. And it's like yeah. G- oh, give there's us a that. ghost in give your us- seat now. And <laughs> Alice yeah, White. Like, that's how the movie should have ended was also the, the movie literally ends with them going on a road trip. It's a Disney World, actually. Uh, yeah. And they take the fucking stupid singing statues, but we don't have a hitchhiking ghost. The ones that didn't help them, the ones that weren't their friends, the, yeah. the ones that you know because they you've been on the take, ride. They, they did take the hitchhiking uh, ghosts, right? uh, Jennifer Tilly, the... Uh, they did. Yeah, but highlight. there's oh, literal hitchhiking <laughs> ghosts in the ride that take a ride with. They're you supposed home. to follow you home. You're supposed to be left oh, sure. haunted and changed by the yeah. experience. Oh, absolutely. So, so yeah. Alice White is an actual genius, and not to do another episode of those happy places, but uh, her whole thing about the haunted mansion. Um, I'll let you talk more about this, and we should keep it incredibly brief. If you want to hear more, go to the episode. But like. That, it's episode one. Episode one of those happy. Places, and we're not proud episode of episode one because we are using the worst microphones in the world. But we're proud of it, the ideas in episode one. Using, I actually um, just stuck a potato on a pencil and called it a microphone. It's weird so. that the computer picked anything up at all. <laughs> so weird. Um, <laughs> I had episode, a potato in, once. <laughs> in episode one of those happy places, we spent uh, we spent time talking about we were. T- it's it's all about the haunted mansion and the haunted mansion and like kind of that that gothic horror. Like genre in general, um, it, it's uh, it, it's so specific has the most specific and beautiful vibes. Um, talk a lot about how death is like a very feminine kind of character throughout, um, with the 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 lace and the velvet and the flowers and everything, and and, mm-hmm. and death as like a feminine like job for for like more female mourners and stuff like that. It's a wonderful episode. I love it. But I think what Buddy want, I can go on about the femininity of death forever. Yeah. But I think <laughs> what he's talking about is the like the jazz funeral. Yeah, the positivity like the, of the death. End, so like the whole, so by setting the haunted mansion in New Orleans, and but like the the ride and the film by setting it in New Orleans, you invite in a lot of these like New Orleans, um, the the traditions of things like jazz funerals, which is the idea of the the jazz funeral in uh, New Orleans tradition specifically, like the Creole cr- traditions is like um, during a funeral when you're burying a loved one, um, you carry you carry their bodies to the grave, you lay them. You lay them below ground, and then a band strikes and is like, "Oh, when the saints go marching in, like, like this is a this is a now a celebration of life." They take the the idea of the celebration of life like extremely literal, and so uh, in the haunted mansion, by being set in New Orleans, you walk in, um, you experience the 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 ghosts, and they are scary, but they are dancing, they are twirling around, they are having a birthday party. They're, they're singing to a barbershop quartet in the middle of the graveyard. There's some on seesaws. There's some on, you know. Like, this, death like, actual... is, like, fun. Or, or if not fun, it's, like, there is yeah. joy in it. 
There's mm. a physical celebration of, and you are invited to join them. Yes, a little. Yeah, it's a little threatening. The hurry back. Yeah, that's it's scary. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's pretty scary. But instead of being like, ah, we scared you away from the Haunted Mansion, they're saying, hey, you know, when it's your time or when you feel like it, come on back. Because we're having like a swinging yeah. wake, it's like a, re- a really good time. It's a retirement home for ghosts. It's where and ghosts go to really live a life point. of leisure or uh, uh, to die a death of leisure, mm-hmm. I guess. And yeah, and so when you walk out of your walk out of the ride, the Haunted Mansion, and into New Orleans Square, you are often like greeted by a literal jazz band, like sitting mm-hmm. on the corner. Like like you look to your right over towards Pirates of the Caribbean, and there's a jazz band just kicking it on the steps over there, playing when the Saints go marching in. Like I think this is all like a very deliberate, like we said, like an over thought vibe that they're kind of going for with the Haunted Mansion is like this this like positivity of death like yeah this is a scary ride and but it's also like yeah we got kids here and also like culturally why don't we talk about death as like the next big adventure or like something that is Mm -hmm. not something to be afraid of and so a comedy about death and the haunted mansion doesn't actually seem to be like that crazy of an idea when you think about it like that it could work yeah they went too hard (laughs) it's all a matter of tone and and balance yeah. yeah and i mean yeah. again they don't capture that that celebration aspect because the in the in this movie these are all ghosts that want to just move on they they exactly. hate exactly you know they what are. this movie is this is beauty and the beast with ghosts instead of oh. instead of pots and stoves because because like a ham-fisted version of that right they, i'm saying yes. that's that's the template they're using that's bad. Yeah. Right. the yeah. the trauma imposed yeah. on the master of the house seep and all into of the, the rest servants of the staff and, and, and they yeah. they are all cursed yeah. together yeah. and for Keith, some reason totally right. for some <laughs> reason learning the truth and undoing part of that trauma for mr gracie Sends them all to heaven, <laughs> right. like being Instead like, "Yeah, I was wrong. I, yeah. I, I, I was yeah. wrong about it." And then they all go to heaven. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? This movie should have been the Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, I mean, you, yes. where you have yeah. these haunted. You know, I, I think that is tonally much more appropriate. Yeah, and, and you, you could even have the uh, a ghost character yearning to to move on, and then learning like, oh well, actually, the afterlife, I should enjoy it because whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the literal plot, <laughs> but tonally, but I think tonally. that hits the mark way more. Yeah, than those this version of those totally vibes right. being on the same wavelength is part of why Haunted Mansion Holiday featuring. Yeah, the, the night before spooky. Before all the denizens of Halloween Town love it. They're like, "Yeah, this is Halloween." This like, what we're about? Why do we like Halloween? <laughs> why do we like the, you know this stuff? Yeah. tap into that the morbidity. There, yeah, there's a reason why things like the jazz funerals and and stuff like that, but also like a Dia de los Muertos is like so yeah. important mm-hmm. to so many people. Why these are like celebrations because like death is a part of life, and this is something that we all have to learn and 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 embrace, and not necessarily celebrate or. Look look forward to but it's something that like that you can't shy away from that you've mm-hmm. got to to like i don't know enjoy and life also, while you've got it right it also gives them more opportunity for world building which i mean they do a little bit within this house but it's more kind of i mean theme parky for lack of a better word the house has theme park rules for sure yeah they mm-hmm. literally at one point go out the attic window and into the grounds on that like on that on the hearse there's always my like, way there's always my way, uh, and they like literally do that. That's like in the ride, awful, like awful in the use ride. Of that line, by the way, is a terrible. Also, I, while I also Sean is, 
character. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. He's yeah. so good and he's you terrible in this movie. You have to be a comedian if you're a good actor and can commit to the yeah. part and commit to the role. Yeah. yeah. But you uh, don't, you don't, then also it's an Eddie Murphy movie. Like it's, yeah. you right. don't, those are not the same kind of humor that you put in, no, the, in the yeah, same movie. That's another good point is Eddie Murphy, as hard as he's trying, uh, his humor is very different than this kind of world building contextual humor he he is a punchline comedian and, right. and you know whereas if we're talking the worlds of improv where you have to do, do some more world building to get that humor uh you know i i think eddie murphy he's not he's not a bad actor he's not a bad comedian he's he's good at both he's not right for this right well i mean i don't know i, I think it was a top-down problem it was it was the the, the tone that was set because I think ultimately they did make the movie they wanted to make. It was just mm. it wasn't not any, the, the movie, movie it anybody been. wanted to see. <laughs> right, exactly. I, th- I think the one set piece in the movie that kind of works and I think kind of balances that spooky, but in a kid friendly way, but also like genuinely has tension is the scene where they're in the uh, in the memorial uh, with the caskets, and there's a little bit of like something approaching horror. Yeah, when when somebody oh, yeah. somebody's oh. coming out of a, a casket and trying yeah, to get you, and they're and, in the water and they're using more practical effects in those scenes. Unfortunately, you know, that is kind of scary. It is. Yeah. It is, and the water especially is super gross, which I think yeah. works. Like the gross out scary. She has to go there to, under the water to, to get the key. And, yeah, yeah. I, I think that scene kind of works. Yeah. Uh, also, I. I Sorry, I. This is a total tangent. I. This movie shouldn't have been Nightmare Before Christmas. It should have been Beetlejuice. It should have been Beetlejuice. I mean, it, yeah, is that it? Is all of these things we're saying? I think yeah. uh, Beetlejuice actually takes takes too many risks for 2003 Disney executives. Sure. Disney. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but uh, but again, if we're going for vibes, yeah. uh, you know, it is literally a haunted house story. Um, right. Where that where the haunters are the protagonists. Which yeah, is good. and and at at first they don't like being dead, but then they literally like that's those their arc is learning to come to terms with that death. Right. Yeah. So I agree. It's important to the vibe. As uh, Disney, Disney had a had a weird had a weird um, year <laughs> in two thousand. Disney was coming. D- Disney's coming off of an animation renaissance and trying yeah. to boost their live action um, properties, mm-hmm. which they hadn't really done for like a while. 50 years. It was basically <laughs> the animation station for, for most of the 90s. And, like, and yeah. kind of the 80s, though things weren't going super well for them then. Well, I mean, uh, before Pirates of the Caribbean and Han Mansion came out in the same year, like, what live action movies were they doing? It was all DCOMs. Disney, Disney all, Channel original yeah. films. Comedies. Right? Like, there was some sports stuff, I think. Like uh, Oh, they did a Mighty Ducks. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. There was, all, there was yeah. all those, like, cool runnings and that yeah. kind of stuff. Sure. Um, but it wasn't the same as, like, when Bruckheimer came in and really, like, put new juice into their live-action well, stuff and, for a few years there. And it also was a very different vibe than than live-action Disney in, like, the 60s and 70s. Right. Where they, they like did more, like, genre stuff. Yeah. Apple, Apple Dumbling Yang and all that stuff. <laughs> Disney's yeah. always had roots in that. But it, yeah. it, how, how often it has chosen to capitalize on those roots has been interesting. I think what we're seeing now with, with uh, things like the Jungle Cruise... And a lot of the stuff that you see on Disney Plus these days and, and just sort of that is a focus on live action and a focus on even documentary, 
which Disney has had its hands in since the 50s easily. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we'll, I mean, we shall see where that takes the company, but yeah, the early aughts, um, it was a it wild was time. Weird. That's true. That's a- like the wild, wild west. I mean, they, they had literally <laughs> just opened a second theme park in California, like two years earlier. Mm. And this was the more mature, this was the teen theme park. Um, <laughs> like it was yeah. the wild west for Disney at that, at that moment. Um, yeah, California Adventure opens in 2001 with like a literal, like soap opera digest section of their, of their park. You're supposed to know and it's like, yeah, no, these. this is fun. Like, this is cool. People will come to this. Also, let's make a Haunted Mansion movie starring Eddie Murphy. And I don't know, throw Johnny Depp into a Pirates movie. Who knows what's going to happen? Just throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And surprisingly, it was the Johnny Depp thing. That's a a really good point, though, is like, yeah, they really were just throwing anything out there. And, you know, they had something stick with Pirates and they followed that. And this didn't land. And, you know, so move on like yeah. I, it, it makes sense what happened yeah. i also think it's really wild that of the things that made it into this movie from the ride the movie opens with the guy doing the suicide uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> by the hanging but then they don't have like the stretching room and stuff like there's there's such there's weird pulls from the ride into this movie yeah it, oh, it yeah. felt like, like they, they were, something they're holding those candelabras the whole time i was expecting one to like just around its behind own. him. It's not that hard. Never happened. <laughs> Madame Leota is doing the the lines from the ride when Eddie Murphy walks into her room for the first time. She's mm-hmm. like, "Send us a message ring, with ring, your ring, tambourine." Bell. It was tambourine, I think. Um, Do they just tambourine and then bell? I don't know, but but it uh, she nothing's happening. Like yeah. when when you're on the ride, it's like the the instruments and cards are floating and it's wild. Uh, when Eddie Murphy walks in, he's like. Are you okay? And she's like, I'm a head in a ball. And then <laughs> she starts really yelling at him, and that's when instruments start to float. But yeah. like, what is she doing when he walks in? It's just the lines from the movie or from the ride for for the well, same in, the, in the, ride, the ride. In in the ride, she serves a narrative. She's purpose. activating the mansion. She's literally yeah. calling the ghosts. Yeah. You, yeah, like these ghosts have a presence. They they can move stuff, but they don't have any kind of corporeal form until after she lets us yeah in. in this she's literally just in her room oh the prophecy the prophecy foretold the prophecy prophecy she prophesied yeah it. this yeah. movie didn't need a prophecy <laughs> curses are big yeah and, and curses curses, are huge. curses yeah. as yeah. proxies for trauma are, are a common theme yeah. between the Haunted Mansion and the Jungle Cruise actually like yeah. the curse of these haunted conquistadors is because they were conquistadors who murdered native people like that's why yeah. they got cursed the curse right. of the pirates was for stealing this aztec <laughs> right. gold you you another more roots in colonialism yeah. uh, uh yeah yep. more yeah uh, uh the, you know just the devastation pirates wrought on that area yeah, well, yeah um, the yeah, well, the pirate, the pirate stole the, the Aztec gold. The Aztec gold, which was stolen, was stolen by conquistadors, by Cortez. conquistadors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So they did not. The pirates did not do the name. That's trauma. true. They, they do. Ro- they, they, it was, it was a, the... twice removed. But they definitely do. Like it's all. It's, and, they're in and, the Spanish main for God's sake. They're like liter- They're in the Caribbean. Like he's like the 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 British white governor over the the you know Port Royal. Yeah, like right. they're literally doing colonialism as we speak. It's interesting <laughs> how that stuff became like the main conversation for these movies but i honestly think for as removed as pirates of the caribbean is from like the directness of that trauma pirates of Mm -hmm. the caribbean 
also has a better better approach than even the Jungle Cruise. Where the no, Jungle Cruise, I, I agree with that, completely. kind of backs away from it. Pirates is essentially the same ride as the Jungle Cruise. It's just the theming is different. So no thoughts. That's that's head fine. empty. Just vibes. No rules. Just vibes here at here at, at Disney Steakhouse. I love it. We figured it out. Disney, give us yeah. a call. All your call. movies. Um, and the future well, th- ones. Yes. Thank you for coming on and discussing this. And uh, yeah, I, I before I say a bunch of stuff, go ahead and tell us where to find your podcast. I know you guys have other podcasts as well, if you want to promote any of those. And uh, if you have social medias you want to send people to. Yeah, of course. Uh, our podcast is called Those Happy Places. It's the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. Uh, you can find it at thosehappyplaces.com. We're also mm-hmm. on Twitter at happyplacespod. Um, and we're both on Twitter all the time. That's our main social media. So I'm so much. I'm at buddy underscore Duquesne. Uh, Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. Yes, and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Alice White THP for those happy places. Follow me on TikTok. There's a really cute video of my dog <laughs> that I just posted. <laughs> uh, Alice is the genius behind a another show that we do called Rogue Fun, a podcast story. Yeah, mm-hmm. those of you those of you movie fans who listen to the movie podcast, the McGovern podcast, which is amazing, um, you might like Rogue Fun, a podcast story, which is a podcast where we literally just talk about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. It's not. Um, it's not like we just sit down once in a while to be like Rogue One is a good movie. No, and- no, we've we've done a full like minute by minute breakdown of the film. <laughs> We're in the middle of reading some of the ancillary novels. Um, we're doing, yeah, character study. We oh, interviewed, we interviewed Hal Hickel, who was the animation director, um, of Rogue One and the animation director for The Mandalorian. We interviewed cool. him on our show. Spoilers um, for season so, three do, are in that episode. I, so I have, a, <laughs> I have a question. Do you, it, it is, it's not like a Star Wars podcast. No. It is. It is a Rogue One podcast. Okay. Uh, cool. It is the, the only Rogue One podcast on the internet. The only one awesome. Rogue One fan. As far as we know. Um, we literally don't talk about anything else. Alice, Alice loved this movie from the drop. I didn't, but have, through this show, learned what it can mean and what it does mean. It's become first or second favorite Star Wars movie for me because yeah. of how oh, we talk damn. about it. Um, right. and it's like the opposite effect of those people who just did... Uh, like a year's worth of Grown Ups 2 podcasts? <laughs> yes. Okay, so so actually that's kind of where I got the idea in the first place. They, it's the people, the worst idea of all time people. So they, they did Sex in the City 2. They did Grown, grown Ups 2. They've been, yeah, they've been every every week for a year watching the same terrible movie over and over and over and over again. They're, um, they're the same people that do... Um, uh, Till Death Do Us Blart, where every Thanksgiving, they and the McElroys watch Paul Bartmore Cop 2, um, and they're going to do it literally until the end of time. I went, yes, but like a good movie. Um, <laughs> that same kind of like incredibly detailed breakdown, yeah. Um, but for a movie that actually means a lot to me personally and like emotionally, it's a... Like the, one of the most important films in my life, and so... You, oh, if you didn't like his rating for Mad Max Fear Road... <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to the episode where we talk about, talk Rogue, about Rogue One. That's, that's part Rogue. of the idea of Rogue Fun is that is that Rogue Rogue One bounced a lot of people off of it, myself included. 
I was like, this is this wasn't a Star Warsy enough movie, or like it wasn't war enough for a war movie either. Like this movie, blah blah blah. But like, <laughs> jokes on you, it's just a Vietnam War movie. It turns out, <laughs> it turns out that like on closer inspection, at least for me, the movie improved and improved and improved until it became something that now I know like the back of my hand and also surprises me every time. So, so check out Rogue Fun. Rogue Fun, yeah. a Star Wars podcast. Rogue Fun, a podcast story. It's on, we're on Twitter at Rogue Fun Pod. You can, and then uh, there's all those links. But the, all you can access all of that and, and like the seven other, 28,000 other shows that we do together. We do some other shows, there. but those happy places in Rogue Fun are the are the are ones the, we love to tell like, people about. Those happy places <laughs> is our flagship show. And that's why the website is thosehappyplaces.com. There's links to all the other, yeah. oh, the other shows good, on there. Good. Very cool. Um, if anybody has anything to say about any of the things we talked about in this episode, you are welcome to contact us at mcguffinpod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mcguffinpod. You can also, if for some reason you're still using Facebook, facebook.com slash mcguffinpod. Um, and you can read my reviews that I do weekly for the Idaho State Journal by Googling Idaho State Journal Movies. Uh, and it'll take you directly to that page. Uh, you can follow me individually on Twitter and Instagram at BC Cassidy. Um, be sure to give us a five-star rating and a one-sentence review on all your favorite podcatchers, whether it be PocketCast, Player.fm, uh, Google Podcasts. We're on that, and some people like nice. to use it. Keith, what are your things that you want to promote? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Keith Foster Kid. You can also follow my art account at Sticky Note Aesthetic. Yes. Nice. And that is the end of the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for, the backside of water. <laughs> <laughs>